0: The sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to HopeInTigard.com I asked you a question at the beginning of the service that I intended to kind of let hang in the air. (laughs) Do you think God looks at you and sees a 10? Or do you think that God looks at you and he sees more of a 5? Or on a really bad day, a 2? Or on a really good day, a 7 or an 8? And does God look at this church? And and does he look at this church and does he see a 10? Or does he see a a 5 that's on its way up? Or does he see a 7 on a good day or a 2 on a bad day? I'm going to continue to let that question hang in the air, but I want to point this out to you, that the question I'm asking is not what do you think of yourself or what do you think of the church? What does God see in it? We're about to start a little bit of a sermon series on the book of Acts. We're calling it Acts 2. You'll see it on the screen in a second here. Acts 2, after Jesus has risen from the dead, now we get to see the church of Christ in its infant days. So this text that we're about to read is going to drop us in just after the the day of Pentecost. So Peter has just preached this amazing sermon where where the Holy Spirit worked in the hearts of 3,000 people. 3,000 people jumped into the church of Jesus on one day. And now in this text, we're going to see the life of the church in the days and weeks after that moment. So we'll read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is God's word. There's a phenomenon in this text that has bothered me for a while. This a, it's a spiritual phenomenon and it bothers me. And the phenomenon is this. You know, you just heard these words spoken about the early church. The phenomenon is that the modern church, the church of today, has a strained relationship with the early church. And I, when I say that it's strained, I'm being kind of light about it. It's, it's such a weird thing. I, maybe you can help me understand it. That this church, it was so filled with the spirit of Jesus. You know, these, these baby Christians. Days old. They were so filled with joy and peace and hope and generosity. And, and do you know what the experience is of the average modern-day Christian when they see this text? Maybe you experienced it when you read this. The average experience is angst and conviction. Conviction. You know, a modern Christian often looks at this text and and thinks, why isn't my church more like that one? Why am I not more like an early Christian? It's almost like the joy and the hope that they have is like a highlighter that highlights the joy and the hope that we don't have. It's like we as a church gotta be Indiana Jones and go searching for the joy that was lost. You know, you can do this. After church today, you can get out your phone or go on your computer and and Google Acts 247. And you'll find church planting networks and, and church splinters and church plants that want to be the early church. Because they're looking around at all the other churches and they're saying, this isn't what it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be Better. It's like we need to go on this quest to find the holy grail of church utopia. And I'm not going to say that that's a terrible thing. I'm not going to say that that's a terrible quest because this church, this early church, it's beautiful. I mean, did you catch a glimpse of her? She's beautiful. You have all these, these Christians and they're devoted to the teaching of the apostles. And and that's the right word. They were devoted. For a pastor, that's kind of the holy grail of a church member. (laughs) A church member who is so devoted to the teaching of the apostles and to the teaching of Jesus that they're willing to leave behind culture and leave behind past experience because the apostles say that this is true. I mean, it's a great church to be a part of. If you're an introvert, wouldn't you want to be a part of this church where you can have one or two or three really close relationships that you can invest into and you can know the other person is going to invest into you and they're going to love you with Jesus' love because they know how they've been loved. And wouldn't you want to be part of this church if you're an extrovert too where you can work a room filled with people that you know Are just as passionate and just as excited and just as filled with enthusiasm for the love of Jesus. And wouldn't you want to be a part of of a church too where where social and economic and, and, and racial divides just kind of fade away? Because we know that we have the most important thing in common with each other it's Jesus. And wouldn't you want to be part of a church that, that has so much generosity, that they're willing to sell property, get rid of their possessions, get rid of their money, just so that there's nobody in their community that's sinking. I mean, anybody in the world would want to be part of that community. And so I get it. I get why people quest for this. But I am going to make this confession to you. I'm not going to. I quit. I quit the quest for church utopia. And I know there might be alarm bells going off in some of, some of your minds right now, thinking like, Pastor, this sounds like a failure of church leadership. Pastor, this sounds like apathy that's that's creeping up here. Pastor, this kind of sounds like you're tired from Easter. But I'll tell you that this text, to me, it, it doesn't seem like an instruction manual of how churches are supposed to be. But I do understand why, right? I I do understand why this text kind of gets used as a baseball bat against churches, thinking that here's all the places where you're failing as a church. And I get how it gets used as a baseball bat on ourselves, too. Here's where you are dragging down your church. You know, you look into yourself, I look into myself, and I think to myself, if, if God looked at me and, and gave me a rating on a scale of one to 10 as a church member, maybe a five. Maybe a seven on a good day. Probably a one on a lot of bad days. I get why people feel such conviction about this, right? You know, you look at at yourself and, and your dedication to the apostles' teaching like the early church had. You know, maybe you can think about the times where you've been reading your Bible and thinking to yourself, I'm not sure how much I believe this, really. Or you can think about the generosity that the early church had, had and you can think about when it's time to give the offering about the rationalizing we do of, of why it's okay for, not, for me to not be generous and, and we can think about the relationships that the people in the early church had and we can think about how our relationships are so one-sided. I can really see why the experience of this text is you get to it and you feel a lot of angst. And a lot of conviction. But I t- I'll tell you what—if if, if you're starting to think that that's what this text is for—that it's supposed to be a law text that's showing you all of the ways that you failed—I'm going to remind you of something. It's Easter. <laughs> it's Easter, everybody, and—and and you know what that means. It means that you need to understand something about Easter, that, you know, on Easter Sunday, we we rejoice because Jesus has risen from the dead and because he has risen from the dead, we know we will too. And so we have an eternal hope in heaven, but Easter also means something for the here and now. This is your first note if you're keeping track on your bulletins here today. Your first note is this, that Easter changes the way that God looks at you. Easter removes your dead spots. Easter has something to say about the here and now. Easter removes your dead spots, and I want to give you an illustration to show you what that means and how important it is. Luke wrote about this church, this early church, and he made it look gorgeous. He made it look like an absolute stunner. But the early church had dead spots. And they were really ugly dead spots. This is what I mean by dead spots. Really rampant sin. You know what happened two chapters after this happened? You get financial fraud. You get the kind of financial fraud that was so bad that two people died over it. And a couple chapters after that, you know what happened in the church of Jesus there was racism and bigotry. The Jewish Christians were going after the Greek Christians. And you know what happened after the racism and bigotry? There was doctrinal divide. And after the doctrinal divide, then there were people inside the church, the workers in the church, they could not get along. There were dead spots in that early church. But Luke, the writer of Acts, did not mention them. Why? because it's Easter. And Easter on top of meaning that you will rise from the dead. It means that when Jesus looks at you, he sees a perfect 10. He sees his bride the church and he says she's gorgeous. She's beautiful. Now, I want to I wanna really help you internalize this. Think about it like this. Do you think that Jesus is like this? That he is up in heaven right now looking at this church and, and kind of analyzing the church and thinking to himself, eh, I'd give her a five. She's on her way, but she's a five right now. And if it ends that way, I guess I can settle. I'll be fine. You think that Jesus is up in heaven like that? (laughs) I know I'm being facetious right now, but I'm trying to drive this point home. Do you think Jesus is up in heaven looking at the relationships that we have in our church, thinking to himself, man alive, why won't they just treat each other like my son treated them? And do you think he's looking at our generosity when the offering plate comes around, thinking to himself, oh my goodness, why won't they just trust me? (laughs) And do you think that he's looking at our struggles with the teachings of the apostles and, and he's thinking to himself, it's easy enough. It says what it says and it means what it says. Just trust me. Do you think Jesus is up in heaven kind of looking at us and analyzing us and and giving us a number and, and saying maybe one day they'll get there? Is that what he's doing? He's not. Because if you see yourself like this, this is why I'm really driving this point home, because I want you to understand this. If you see yourself like that, that you're just riddled with imperfections and those imperfections are dragging the church down or dragging Jesus down. If you see yourself like that, if you see the church like that, then I'm going to tell you something maybe a little bit abrasive right now. If you see yourself like that, then you don't understand Easter yet. You don't truly understand what Easter means for you yet. And I think it's high time you do. I think it's high time that you understand that Easter changes everything. It changes the way that God looks at you. This is your second note if you're keeping track. Easter means that you look ideal to God. Easter makes you God's bride. Easter makes you God's bride. And she's gorgeous. She's a stunner. She is a perfect 10. And it's not this photoshopped beauty that we've gotten used to seeing. I'm going to coin a new term here. It's Jesus-shopped. We are decked out in the righteousness and the holiness and the purity of Jesus. And so when Jesus looks at you, he's not looking at your dead spots. He doesn't see them. Know why? Because of Easter, death is dead. And so for you, there are no more dead spots. Now, when Jesus went to the cross, it's true that sin went with him there. Sin went to the cross with Jesus. Sin hung on the cross with Jesus. Sin died with Jesus sin was buried with Jesus sin stayed dead when Jesus rose sin is dead death is dead you get to live now when Jesus looks at you he sees perfection You are a 10 out of 10, and you belong to a 10 out of 10. And so, all you got to do, all you get to do now, is live. (laughs) You get to live here in this church, which is the saving, and true, and authentic church of Jesus. God looks at you, and He sees you as ideal. What does he see when he looks at this church? Do you see what he sees? No, do you see that, that here at this church, there are so many people with so many different backgrounds, so many different backgrounds we come from, but we are not focused on our, on our differences. We are looking at the same Jesus. And here at this church, have you seen this? that there are people who are diving deep into into God's word, deeper than they've ever gone into God's word in their lives. So many people here, so many people here who love God's word and love each other. I see this in spades, and I hope you can see it too. I hope you can see this too, that in this church, there are so many ways where people love each other. You know, I've seen this that, that when there is a difficult moment in life, people are unstoppable. They want to help you, they want to give as much as they can. People are dedicated to the Word of God here, people are generous here. I've seen this so many times. I've been floored by it. There's generosity in this church. There have been several times over the past couple of months where where someone unprompted, unasked, has just come to me and given me a check and said, Pastor, make sure that nobody's sinking. And where does that generosity come from? Where does that love come from? Where does that care come from? It doesn't come from the length of relationships. We are a baby church. Maybe the longest relationships here are probably less than two years old. This is a, these are baby relationships that are based in God's word and that's why they matter. This isn't a church where, where mom was baptized here and dad is buried in the cemetery out back. This is a baby church where people love each other because they know the love with which they have been loved. This is the church of Jesus. Jesus. You don't have to quest anymore. You don't have to look around and, and find the perfect church. You you found her. Are you guys ready to hear my Acts chapter two manifesto for today? I quit. <laughs> I quit the quest. I quit the quest of trying to find a church that has more commitment and more love for the teachings of Jesus. And I quit the quest of trying to find a place where there's more love and more relationships and more prayer. I I quit the quest. I quit trying to find church utopia. You know why I quit? It's not because I'm tired. It's not because it's too hard. It's because I've already found it. This is the church of Jesus. Would you look at her? She's gorgeous. She's a real stunner. Ten out of ten, beautiful because of Jesus because of his love because of his forgiveness because of his resurrection and now all we get to do is live here (laughs) do life here celebrate here Heal here. Be ministered to here. In the church of Jesus. Amen.